The Spirit of God in the Old Testament is mostly revolving around wisdom, creativity, design, being intelligent and thoughtful about how you build things and do things. There are some spontaneous, as we were to say, in the Old Testament, but a lot of it was actually around the Spirit of God was engaged in humanity to build and create and to design a world that people would live in. In the New Testament, which is a very small segment of time, it's around a Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowering and filling people. So instead of picking one or the other, what I try to do is to get people to understand there's a much broader perspective of the Holy Spirit. And you have to keep expanding your perspective of the Holy Spirit or else you will be very limited by your existing paradigm of what the Spirit is. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, a Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk Spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast. My name is Donovan, and I'm here with Travis, and we are excited to get into an amazing conversation today with an amazing guest. Travis, how are you doing today? I am doing so well, Donovan, and I'm excited for our guest today. He's a friend, and so I can't wait to jump into that conversation. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, I know as a leader, there's, I don't know who exactly was credited for saying this. It might have been Spurgeon. It might have been one of those guys, but was kind of credited with saying whenever I preach or whenever I lead, I like to have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand, because I want to be able to speak into what's going on in the culture today. I want to be able to understand what's happening in the world so that I can help the people that that I love, that I want to see come to know Jesus uh, I, I want to understand what they're going through. And as spirit-empowered leaders, I think it's really important that we have a pulse and an understanding of culture. And that's what our guest today really brings. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm reminded, Donovan, that uh, a spirit-empowered leader doesn't lead in a vacuum. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be really good if, if it was a laboratory and we could um, control the environment but we're all in different environments, all in different situations. We all live in this culture and wherever in the world we're listening, watching this podcast from, we have a different atmosphere, a different environment. And I'm reminded uh, mainly because my wife loves plants, that plants take the right atmosphere to grow. And Mm -hmm. um, I have sadly killed a few plants, don't tell her, um, (laughs) partly because I didn't water them. Uh, one of them, I actually put it out in the cold and then the cold killed it. Anyways, don't ask. But but I just have realized this the hard way. Um, my money tree died because it didn't have the right atmosphere and it produced no money for me. And um, <laughs> and, and I think that's so true of leaders that we mm. we are in a culture. We are in an environment. And so what's inside of us? How do we get the what's inside of us out? How do we live this life out? Um, you know, and, and I was so excited for this podcast today and want to welcome those that are listening, watching for the first time. You are listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader. And the heart of this podcast was really burst out of uh, the heart of the ministry that Donovan and I are part of and lead called Resurgence. And in 2008, we were birthed in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, uh, with this simple mindset that in our city um, in 1923, this guy named C.S. Price, who's written many books on faith, he came to Edmonton and people were so hungry to get in, they broke the window just to get in. And um, that story kind of spawned this heartbeat of going, there's something that he wants to do in our culture, in our city, in this moment. And so we invited people, invited mainly young adults, professionals into a building in downtown Edmonton. And that was the start of this movement called Resurgence. And we just said, we're going to invite Holy Spirit and see see what happens. And Young adults start leaving their job. Donovan, you were there for one of those first gatherings and young yep. adults start leaving their jobs and, and going on missions. And, and we realized that it's not about a moment or um, a simple service or an encounter, but a lifestyle. How do you live the lifestyle of a resurgence, a rising again of a spirit empowered life leadership every day? 
And another saying that really came along our journey was there's a leader in every chair. So we believe today as you're listening, you're um, tuning in there, you are a leader. You are called to be a leader. God wants to tap on the cages of your heart and say, come out, come out, come out. You're a leader. And so we're excited to talk leadership. We're excited to journey together. We invite you on this journey. We don't know where it's going, but here's what we do know is we want to grow in our leadership. Will you grow with us? Yeah, and we really, we want to see leaders in every sphere of society. This isn't just for pastors. It's not just for ministry leaders. It's for everybody. And and hopefully as we explore these things, these concepts, we can start to see fruit in our lives in different ways. So Travis, why don't you tell us a bit about our guest today? Yeah, I first met Eric a number of years ago. He was the senior pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and um, and has become a friend and uh, just uh, attended one of his conferences on young leaders. And he carries the heartbeat of spirit-empowered leadership um, and, and integrating that into culture. Him and his wife, Candice, now are in uh, Studio Greenville in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And we're going to chat and ask him questions about that, I'm sure, and his transition from Bethel to Studio and all of that. But also, we want to we talk and unpack culture, a Holy Spirit, how we see Holy Spirit, our view of Holy Spirit, all of those things. Um, he just gets us so well in, in redefining language and redefining what we see. And sometimes we, we put things in a box. And, and Eric has an incredible way. He's done that through so many times. I've heard him speak and minister and in just in personal interactions. And I'm just, I'm really excited for today because I believe it's going to bust some of the paradigms that we have and, and kind of launch us into what it looks like to be spirit led in a whole new way. So, so stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. We're so excited today to have a friend of mine, Eric Johnson, joining us all the way from Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, Eric and I met um, a number of years ago, I think six, seven, maybe eight years ago, uh, Eric was doing these conferences called Inspired down in Bethel, California. He was the senior pastor, lead pastor of Bethel Church in uh, Redding, California. And, um, and we were together there and I just loved hearing his heart for young leaders. And at that point, I was not sure I was even going to do full time resurgence, what that looked like. I had this movement in my heart and it was actually at this Inspire conference. The first time I went that I walked in and this lady calls me out. Uh, her name was Havla, and and it was at Eric's conference. And Eric came over right away and says, "Hey, did that word make sense?" And I'm like, "It totally made sense." And she said, "There's a word in your heart. You got to do it." And that was the word resurgence. And so years later, we're on a resurgence podcast called The Spirit Empowered Leader. And as we had prayed for this, Eric, you were the like the first name. Like we have to have Eric because you carry the heart of spirit empowered leadership, uh, not just in the church but in every sphere. So so honored to have you. Uh, you're the lead pastor of Studio Church in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, honored to have you, man. Hey, it's great. Great to see you, and it's an honor to be here, and uh, really looking forward to this conversation and how it could be of help to anyone that listens. So it's an honor to be here. Yeah, we look forward to the conversation today. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Like, who is yeah. Eric Johnson? What do you love? What What are you excited about these days? Yeah. Um, who is Eric Johnson? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> well, my name is Eric. That's obvious. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated uh, last fall our 25th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. So I think one of my uh, biggest accomplishments in my life had been married to the same woman for 25 years plus now. And we have two amazing daughters, 23 years old and 21 years old. And our oldest just got engaged uh, last month or in December. And we are getting ready. We're in wedding planning mode this summer. And so it's, it's a really special season for our family. We recently moved out to Greenville about a year and a half ago now. And we launched a church called Studio. And we just celebrated our one year anniversary on gathering on Sundays uh, two weekends ago. And it's, uh, it's just been a wild ride. Uh, we had no idea that Greenville existed. But we knew our time of coming to an end at Bethel, which was a shock and complete, in many ways, out of left field. But we just, we, uh, as we leaned into what was ahead for us, 
we found this city in South Carolina that we had never been to, never heard of, and obviously fell in love with it. And we've been living here for a year and a half. We got an amazing community of people that moved with us as well as locals here that have joined with us. And it had been one wild ride. And it's just been, honestly, it's been beautiful, fun and challenging and all of the above, but just deeply, deeply encouraged. So we are currently right now, we're, like I said, about a year into planting this church. And it feels like it's three or four years old right now, as far as the depth of relationship, the community, the things that we're passionate about. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So, and then what's even funner or funner is the right word, but we love this area. We have fall, fallen in love with South Carolina and the Greenville area. It's a thriving, growing mid-city that is constantly making headlines in so many different categories of you know best places to live, best places to start a business, best place for this. And you know, it's just been a it's been fun coming from a very rural Northern California and then moving to an area that's literally a city is emerging out of the countryside. And so that's been, you know, for me, you know, I know we're going to talk about culture and all that, but being a little bit closer to the heartbeat of culture has just been a blast for me to be not to observe it from a distance or visit it, if you will, but to actually be within a context that we're in now on the East Coast. And I know they say the West Coast is the best coast, but I don't know. East Coast is uh, doing pretty well right now for me. So anyway, <laughs> that's a little bit of myself and and uh yeah we just we just love doing what we're doing well we're so so honored to have you on uh this podcast and uh, uh one of the things when i was at one of the conferences years ago that you were teaching and one of the things you said is you said jesus loves inside of you and it's your privilege to show a world that find a way to articulate so the world can come mm -hmm. and and I've, I've looked back at that because it's such a powerful thought and statement. And I think you do that with your life and you've done that and you've led by that. And I guess I want to ask, you know, as a journey, as a leader, you being a spirit empowered leader, you've grown up, um, you know, we're influenced by our upbringings and all this thing. You're a pastor's kid. You've grown up in that. And yet there's something inside of you that's also um, an expression of who you are in, in reaching culture and in finding new language. And there's something there that um, it is kind of outside of, it's just new. And where did that start? Where did, where did you start being attuned to kind of that? Yeah. That aspect. No, that's a great question. Um, there's so many different uh, angles on that one. I would say for me, uh, to give you context, why this burned deeply within me is, as you said, I, I've been raised in the church my whole life. I'm sixth generation pastor on my dad's side, fourth generation on my mom's side. So just the context that I was raised within was very much about the local church. And so all of the dynamics with that, all of the beauty with that, and also some of the challenges, I mean, just the whole package, I think because of that, it put this desire, this curiosity in me in regards to humanity, to culture. And I love church. I love the local church. I started another one. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's not even a question whether I love it or not. And I believe in it. But I also I think I grew up with just a keen awareness, at least a different perspective on the gaps between the, the idea of church and culture, the idea of, you know, the church is here and the culture is over here and the perspective, the way we talked about culture, the way people viewed culture. I mean, all these things. And when we say culture, we're also saying humanity. We're not just saying some set of core values. We're actually addressing humans and people. And I just I think I grew up with this just deep curiosity was formed over the years as a young child. And as I got into my teens and especially my young adult years, like there's a massive gap. And we talk about touching humanity. We talk about, you know, the Great Commission. We talk about all these things. And is there fruit from that? A hundred percent. But there still seems to be some areas that we could expand and grow in. So I think that curiosity was really inside me from a very, very young age. And I'm trying to reconcile what I'm experiencing here in the context of a church. And yet I'm acknowledging what's happening outside going, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of gaps and chasms and we're never going to touch that part of humanity if this is our only perspective. So, 
And then on the flip side of that, I would consider myself someone that cares a lot about beauty, cares a lot about design, aesthetics. Um, you know, I mean, that, that just goes runs deep within me. And so I think I view the world through the lens of, you know, I don't want to box myself up, but I would say I definitely see the world through beauty, creativity, and artistry. I, I, that's just kind of how I see it. I see, I see the world abstractly. And I think because of this how I'm wired, I'm very aware of like, I want what comes out of my life to be a clear depiction of what's going on in my soul. And so I think what the statement you read, you know, it's been something I've, I've uh, adhered to for decades now, my whole life. Like, I want whatever comes out of me to be the purest expression of who I am, obviously who I am in Christ and all those things. And so I think one of the challenges for leaders is we're looking for boxes to step into. So I want to be a pastor. I want to be a designer. I want to be a president. I want, you know, whatever it may be. And I think the bigger and more important question is, instead of trying to fit into something that you dream about, why don't you find out what's actually in you? Because what's in you comes out will actually, in my opinion, can be an expression of ministry or an offering. It can be a sacrifice. And if it ends up being a, you know, pastor, designer, you know, teacher, whatever, then great. Or it could be all of them. I think because of American Western thought, we kind of find a career and we just kind of run with it. And I'm like, yeah, those days are definitely over, um, especially in the last four or five years. I mean, we have more people doing multiple things than ever before, which is why I think it's so exciting to be alive. The flexibility in the, I mean, simply not having to follow an eight to five regimen is honestly one of the greatest gifts. No, I'm not anti-work ethic. I'm a huge, I mean, I I get nervous talking to 20-year-olds about this because I'm like, no, no, you need to learn work ethic. (laughs) You need to definitely learn that. So there's the other side of this conversation, which maybe is for another time. So that that quote you read that I said years ago really is this dream of life. And I've noticed people, it feels like a lot of people are simply not happy doing what they're doing. Now, some of it is they're just 20 years old and, you know, they don't know themselves enough. But I've noticed this common conversation. I said, I wonder how many of us are actually doing what we're designed to do. And so I think a lot of that for me, like getting to the core of our humanity and the core of who God's created us to be and the DNA he's placed within us instead of just fitting into a box or a career. And so for me, that's, that's, why, that's why I say things like that, trying to get people back to the purity of who they are. And when you find yourself doing what, you, what you're designed to do, you don't think about how much it makes. You don't think about, you don't think about, oh man, I worked 40 hours this week. You're thinking about this is what I, this is what I'm designed to do. And so anyway, so I could keep going, but that's, that's, that's what's behind that statement is getting people back to the purity of who they are and their humanity and obviously who God designed them to be. Well, that's so, that's so cool, Eric. And, and just, I, I want to hear a little bit more of your story in regards to this church plant. Um, so you, you pastored at Bethel for years under your dad's leadership and, and obviously like just some amazing leaders, amazing people, but now you're church planting. And so I, I, I'm just curious kind of how this, this stuff inside of you is, is, is it expressed differently in a church plant? How has it been for you since you've kind of been doing something totally different than the Bethel expression? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a podcast in itself right there. Um, yeah, I would say. Uh, let's see, how would I put it? Um, being at Bethel was, it's an established environment. You know, it's 70, I think it's 70, 75 years old now. It's a very strong culture. It's one of the most beautiful expressions uh, of, of an expression of who God is on earth. And it's impacted, I mean, it's impacted millions of people. So, undeniably beautiful and impactful. Uh, and I think for me, in the now I can look back and I can say that during it, I don't know if I had the language for it. I probably, I know I felt it, but I didn't have the language for it, which recognizing there's so many other aspects to who I am that because of established environment, it wouldn't really be able to be expressed in that context. It's not a bad thing. It's just a reality. 
And so I think for me, when we stepped into the, we don't know where we're going next, we literally, we stepped down from Bethel with no idea what was next. So it wasn't like we had something in our back pocket that we were going to surprise everybody with. It was like, we don't know. And so the language we used of we're stepping into a dark hallway and we knew not all darkness was evil. We knew it's just dark. We don't know what's next. And we literally put the idea of church on the table with the intention, like, if we never do this again, then that's fine. We're okay with that. And so we kind of, we kind of put everything on the table, so to speak, my wife and I, and just sought the Lord. We just like, what do we do with the rest of our lives? Are we supposed to start an organization, run businesses, do real estate, do design, do speaking? And tra- I mean, who knows? I did everything was on the table. And as you can imagine, lots of voices, you should do this. You guys should think about this. And, and, and so long story short, our journey, every time we kind of went around the world of conversations, it always seemed to end in spiritual community. It always seemed now that can also happen outside of a formal church structure. I mean, from a, you know, a church Sundays and blah, blah, blah. But it kept coming back to that. So we knew, okay, that's not something that we're, quote, done with, you know. But we, what we did recognize, there's so many other things in our heart that we just couldn't pay attention to because of just the the grind at Bethel, just the, the schedule. And I mean, it's just Bethel's huge. It's a huge environment to lead and figure out. So I think our stepping in a dark hallway, our sabbatical, it revealed other parts of my wife and I that we really hadn't acknowledged for a long time. And so the ability to start from nothing has afforded us the luxury to actually build a foundation to a future that we know we're called to. So studio intentionally is called studio. We don't even attach the word church to it on purpose. We don't say studio church. We say studio Greenville, not because of some, you know, you know, angst about church. It's like, no, studio is actually a broader idea than just a Sunday gathering. Now, right now, we're primarily building that foundation, but there's so many other things down the road. So to get to your question is there's so many other things in our heart that are being expressed. And I would say that there is some similar DNA overlap between us and Bethel. But the moment you come to studio, and honestly, a lot of people do, they're like, this isn't Bethel. And I said, exactly. It's not. If you want Bethel, go to Reading. It's there. They're crushing it. But that's not who we are. And, and I think that's the thing what a lot of people have a hard time with is they think if you have the same DNA, it's expressed the same way. That's not true. It's so not true. And I think a lot of people go to places like Bethel or Hillsong or Elevation or, you know, pick all the, the ones that people admire. They go to these places and they try to copy and paste the DNA and, and it never works. It just doesn't work. And, and so we have, to have, we have to have a perspective on values and DNA that it can be expressed completely differently, but have the same DNA. And I would say for studio, that's been some of the big hurdles for a lot of people because they know Candace and I at Bethel. So they think they're getting Bethel. And we're like, no, you're getting something completely different. And if they really attune, then they'll go, oh, the DNA is actually very similar. But I would also say there's other parts of our DNA that were not expressed at Bethel. And so we get the, we get the freedom and the luxury to just go for it. So long answer, but that's, that, that's what's been so fun for us in this season. Yeah, it's really cool. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. I know that um, yeah, many leaders kind of go through seasons of transition and they go through different seasons of their life where where they're stepping into new territory or expressing themselves differently. And and so, yeah, I, was, I just really I, thank you for bringing us into that process for you, because I'm sure many leaders can relate to that. We, I just say we've interacted with a lot of leaders since we announced that we were leaving Bethel. Mm-hmm. And so what to your point, lots of leaders just coaching them. Uh, helping them to think about the world future differently and, you know, and all these things. And so, and then for us personally, we had some great friends that really did come alongside a really small group of friends that really helped us to just process um, the transition. No joke. What, what I love about it. And I remember when it, when it came out, I said, um, maybe we'll see you Donovan. I just said, you know, it's God because you had a really good thing going you had a really good, you could be the senior pastor for the next 20 years and retire. And yet God had moved you and only God can do that. 
and you listening to his voice, it was so clear to me, even thousands of miles away, watching it on Instagram, chatting with you a few messages, but hearing it, I was like, this is the Lord that, that you would do this. And, and I just honor you for that because I think it's a model to many that go on, Hey, there's something in me. I don't know what it is. How do I get there? And it takes a risk stepping out and leaving the familiar to go to the unfamiliar. And yeah. Um, I love what you said about DNA. And I think I, I also wonder this, we as we as a movement of resurgence have used this language. Like when we started, we were like, this isn't about a night or a meeting. It's about a lifestyle. How do you live the spirit filled lifestyle every day? And I think sometimes we confuse DNA. We go, okay, so if your DNA, the culture that's at the service needs to be the culture or the the culture everywhere I go in the boardroom. And that's not possible. It, you know, but we have the DNA that God has called us. And so I can be a spirit filled leader when I can't use my uh, voice, when, when I can't, um, you know, start praying in tongues somewhere. I can't, I, I got to be quiet in the boardroom and yet God can give me a wisdom and creativity mm -hmm. and language. And can, can you speak to that? Cause I know that's your heart of how, how do we actually live this out and how do we actually be on the church? Yeah. The question I would ask is what is not specifically you, but just anybody listening Whatever your perspective and definition of the spirit is, that will be your very limitation in what you actually do. And, and so I like to take a step back on that because I'm like, okay, we have to understand when we're talking about the spirit or the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever stream people are from that they're most comfortable with or the wind, you know, some people are like, oh, it's the wind, you know, so every stream's got a different expression of it. But however we define that, that is as far as we will actually live a lifestyle that way. That's the limit. It's not the, it's not the liberation. It's actually the limit. Now, it might be liberating in the beginning, but at some point you'll hit the end of your own paradigm of the Holy Spirit. And so I constantly am. And so I'll just give you one overarching example of why I think this is huge. I come from a charismatic stream. Um, hyper charismatic, according to a lot of people. So definitely very char lot, lots of charismania, charismatic, whatever you want to call it. And the definition of the Holy Spirit is mostly revolves around the idea of spontaneity, spontaneous. And suddenly there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Our entire perspective of the Holy Spirit, especially in the charismatic streams, is built around Acts 2. Out of nowhere, God showed up. So our entire structure and the way that we do life as humans in the church and outside the church, uh, the reason why meetings tend to be longer than any other type of gathering, the reason why our language, what we call things, our entire framework and perspective is built around this idea that God could show up at any moment and we must wait it out as long as possible. And we must create this space. Now, I'm actually not mocking it. I'm actually saying this is a real thing. This is why all the conferences are named in this direction. So, which, is it biblical? There's definitely some biblical backing around the idea of, of God showing up out of nowhere. But I would also propose that I don't think God didn't do Acts 2 unplanned. So Acts 2 is written by a human. A human experience, the Spirit showing up out of nowhere. That's a human experience. But I don't think God that day said, you know what, today I'm just going to do this thing called Pentecost. No, he had been waiting and planning and strategically moving all of humanity towards this point in human history. And then if we want to look at the Old Testament expression of the Spirit, so the Old Testament says the Spirit of God, the New Testament refers to the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit, it's just different words. The Spirit of God in the Old Testament is mostly revolving around wisdom, creativity, design, being intelligent and thoughtful about how you build things and do things. There are some spontaneous, as we were to say, in the Old Testament, but a lot of it was actually around the Spirit of God was engaged in humanity to build and to create and to design a world. 
that people would live in. In the New Testament, which is a very small segment of time, it's around the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowering and filling people. So instead of picking one or the other, what I try to do is get people to understand there's a much broader perspective of the Holy Spirit. And you have to keep expanding your perspective of the Holy Spirit, or else you will be very limited by your existing paradigm of what the Spirit is. So in other words, if it's not spontaneous, it must not be God. That's what a lot of charismatics will say. They may not say it, but that's how they live their lives. You can't can't plan or structure something that God will show up. You just kind of do nothing. And so a lot of preachers make this mistake. You know, they have nothing to say. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to show up tonight because I have nothing to preach on. Like, no, that's just lazy. You're being so lazy, (laughs) unintentional. You are, you are, you are, it's just pure laziness. So I think that so what I want to do is create tension for people that are listening, like, what is your definition of Holy Spirit? Because that will actually limit you in your ability to live a life in this way. And so anyway, that didn't really answer your question. I went back to a, more of an overarching concept. And so I would say I would be more interested in encouraging leaders to expand your perspective. And so, so the question, how do I expand my perspective? Well, study the Spirit of God in the Old Testament and obviously in the New Testament. And then I would also encourage people, look at the different types of churches, denominations, and streams in the body of Christ, and you'll notice they emphasize aspects of the Spirit of God differently than maybe your specific stream. And so, and, and that'll help to expand your understanding. And so, anyway, I don't know if that makes sense, but that, those are some thoughts around just our perspective on the, on the Spirit of God. I love that. Uh, and I think that language of we, we limit it. And, you know, I, I one time went to a, a camp to preach and I, I prepared like crazy and uh, I prepared so many notes for this thing. And yet I was like, God, like you use me and give it to you. In the end, I didn't preach all my notes. I didn't preach all the stuff I prepared. God showed up. But I always go like I'm going to prepare and and let the spirit guide it you know and i think we can get two extremes on that and i think even even someone listening a mom engineer teacher someone who's living out their dream business owner um how how could that look like how how do you um how do you allow the holy spirit have that new language to go okay you're you're with me it doesn't have to be spontaneous i plan you and yet i'm inviting you like solomon the wisdom that solomon mm-hmm. had i mean so led by god to create and design and you know um mm-hmm. Erwin mcmanus says you know humans can create the future and, and dream the future and i think there's something to that where the spirit that's the spirit in us calling that forth yeah, when you start expanding your your definition of Holy Spirit, you start to recognize your life is, at least for people that follow in Jesus, your life is actually living in your guys' word a spirit led lifestyle. And I think I think that's where that's where this comes into play. And if our only experience with the Holy Spirit is in a church meeting, then it's no wonder why people that aren't in the church context are trying to figure out. Where's the Holy Spirit in my life? Because we have such a limited understanding. And so you just hit it on the spot right there. It's like, oh, so my intelligence, my ability to grow in my intelligence and in my wisdom and my creativity, it's actually the Spirit of God active in my life. You know, so I I think that's, that's, that's it for me. And I think that's where we start getting to, you know, you get into Solomon, you get into Bezalel, you start getting into some of the Old Testament characters around wisdom. Wisdom said, I was there when he created the heavens and the earth. I was there. And so there's this reality of that, the core of wisdom, this ability to create. And so, and that's obviously a passion point of mine. So I love seeing people create what's in, inside of them. And believe it or not, for many, that's actually... At actually seeing the Holy Spirit active in their life and the Spirit of God active in their life. And so I think that's where we can really liberate a lot of people that aren't on staff at a church, but they're actually just in, they're normal human beings that <clears throat> have the Spirit of God living in them. And that, so my passion is to liberate people as much as possible from a very small view of how God works. Yeah, it's it's liberation from compartmentalism, <clears throat> isn't it? Because, like, I, you've traveled, you know, into different places, Africa, India, all these different places. 
there's there's such a holistic approach to the gospel. And I find in North America, um, we can be very compartmentalized where we do our mm -hmm. Sunday two hours and then go back to my life. And we, oh, we go to prayer meeting for an hour, but that's three hours of the week. But we go back to our life as usual. And it's like, okay, how do we invite God into all of that? How do we live that out on a daily basis with our with our wives or the children, with, with everything aspect going? How are we led? How are we empowered by the Spirit? Yeah, there's a word in our in here at studio, kind of the key word in our culture here, it's called seamless. And the idea is how do we create a seamless life? And the example that we use is Jesus. I mean, you have one moment Jesus is feeding 5,000 people. The next moment he's teaching scholars. The next moment he is in, you know, the adulterous woman and that whole situation. And the next moment he's healing blind eyes. And what we can see through the course of Jesus' life, we see him touching everyone from the most elite parts of culture and society, the wealthy, the elite, the religious scholars and businessmen and women. He's, he's touching them. And he's also touching people that are in the most impoverished, broken down um, in the, the lower class part of society. And then he's touching everyone on the political spectrum. So here we see this man who is actually it's the genius of him, it's the brilliance of him to be able to interface and interact with all of humanity. And, and that's, that's our challenge here. That's a challenge for every believer. But because of the, the Western context that at least that we live in and the, the one that I live in currently is, is this, um, no wonder why we can't interact with someone that thinks differently than us. We've been conditioned to only gather or get around agreement. And I mean, this is complex. This is why cultural incendiary issues will never get anywhere with our paradigm because we're so locked in on. So what we're trying to do here, at least a studio, is move the needle forward in regard to this idea of seamless. And how do we help, how do we help to create a community of people, individuals that can interact seamlessly across culture? So you could go into this part of culture and seamlessly interact. You can go to this part of culture and then since politics is like, is the new religion today, how do we create people that can actually interact with the left and the right and in the middle and the alt-right and the alt-left? How do we actually, and I believe that's where the Spirit of God is needed even more, the intelligence, the ability to interact and engage and interface with the political spectrum is really the, is the, is the Mount Everest today for us. It's just it's it's the almost the unscalable mountain in front of us. And so we've been so conditioned by the last four, five, six years that most people are like, I don't know what to do this. So they just go to one camp. And so we camp here and everyone else is evil. And so we've created this. So we're working really hard to try to create this multidimensional, um, seamless mindset. It doesn't mean we're watering down the truth. But I, for me, it's more about if we want to be missional in today's post, especially incredibly postmodern society, we have to have layers and dimensions to our paradigms and thinkings and views. We actually need to become more intelligent. And I mean, the question that I would ask is, does our faith make you, does your faith make you dumber or smarter? Are you actually growing in your intelligence or are you not? And that's blunt and crass, but I, you know, there's an urgency in today's climate. I'm like, your faith in God, you've actually allowed it to diminish your thinking. You've actually allowed it to get you to think smaller than before. And, and you think you're thinking bigger, but you're actually thinking smaller. So I don't think the question is faith in God. The question is how you've implemented, assimilated, and understood your faith in God. So I believe faith in God should actually make you more adventurous, more curious, more intelligent, more creative, more everything. And, and that, that's, man, that is a challenge to do in today's climate because, because politics is the new religion. And so that's where it gets really. So I'm having fun just poking holes in my own life, but poking holes in, in this whole system and structure. So, Yeah, that's amazing. And it actually reminds me of Acts chapter 16 when Paul um, – Paul and Silas are ministering in Philippi because we see like the first person that gets saved is Lydia and her family. And she's like the wealthy one and she's got all the resources, the next person. And then all of her friends and family get saved. And then the next person we see is that slave girl who is like the, like kind of treated so 
unfairly and had such un- injustice in her life. And then, and then the next person we see is the jailer comes to know Jesus and his family. And then and it's cool because in Acts 17, um, the next place they go, it actually says that they had a reputation go ahead of them, that these are the ones who turn the world upside down. And, and I think it's cool because Jesus ministered that way. And then he poured out his spirit on his church. And then they kept that mindset going. And, uh, and I just think it's really cool how, um, yeah, when we really, that, that seamless mindset, that mindset of, of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in every sphere of society is just really, it can make a huge impact. Um, but I'm just curious, what are some of the ways you've seen that happening? Like, what are some of the, the ways you've seen this play out in your church and with leaders who aren't necessarily church leaders, but in different spheres of society? How have you seen that seamless mindset play out? But I would say we are starting to see a year ago, we would say one thing and it'd be a little bit of like, a you know, the black and white thinking would be really like resistant. And a year later, we're like, oh, no, that's really good. I, I didn't realize I had my own issues on that topic. And because of my experiences, and so we see a softening, we see a moldability coming in. So I would imagine in the next year or two, we're going to start having better reports, if you will, for for that question specifically. And uh, yeah, so but I think it's also the idea that everything in my life can be an offering and a ministry to God. We're seeing that happen. We're seeing people being liberated in their businesses, in their workplace, in their you know, education. I mean, all the different aspects of culture and society and fashion and music and all of that stuff. It's like, oh, people are starting to be liberated to begin to realize, oh, my life can be an offering to God. Everything that I do and create can be an offering. And so we're definitely seeing that. But when it comes to maybe some of the more blatant signs and wonders and miracles, uh, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Tilling the ground. It's amazing. The ground. Yeah, exactly. So good. I, I love I love the thought of seamless. And I'm wondering if that that liberation, that freedom that people are experiencing, that move from seams uh to, to seamlessness, um wh- what part of that is a heart heart journey? Um and in really knowing our identity and our value and where that comes from, because I think, yeah. you know, it's one of the themes that we as a ministry journey to wholeness. And, you know, we're all on this journey of, OK, I'm a son, you know, or a daughter. And how do I how do I move into that first and foremost before I'm anything else? And and I think um, sometimes that that healing process and, and probably, probably for you, even in a transition and in all of that, I think in all change, we have to always go back. God, what's what's my identity? It's in you and not in leading a church or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, at the core of the idea of seamless is this incredibly missional perspective. It's this idea of Jesus touching humanity and, and all what we just described. And, I, and I've noticed people that are hard on humanity are usually really hard on themselves. Uh, people that don't know how to treat people like sons and daughters do not view themselves as a son or a daughter. And so, and so I think not all the time, but there's a big correlation there, a parallel there, that when you, sometimes the one that is the loudest about why are we not, you know, punishing this person for what they've done, Usually it's that person that punishes himself relentlessly. And so I think, so the identity thing for me comes into play is recognizing, do you know, actually know who you are? Do you actually know that you're a son and a daughter? Do you know that you're, you're royalty? Do you, I mean, do you know that? Do you know that you have been forgiven? I mean, you just start painting the picture of identity around that. And so I think it's part of the journey of seamlessness is also dealing uh, or addressing that area of like the hearts of people. And is your soul in turmoil? And so that's why you create turmoil everywhere around you and you aim it at people. I mean, so, yeah. So the answer is yes. It's so intertwined. So the idea is how do we be more missional like Jesus, but how do we deal with a pure heart, a heart that's been forgiven and recognizes the beauty of grace and mercy? And I think being in the Bible Belt, that's been really, it's actually, it's been really fun in many ways because like, oh, there's a much more there's much more of a rigidness around being forgiven, and it can get really fundamental, really legalistic on the quick side. And so I think it's been fun to help people be a little bit more forgiving towards themselves. And, and so yeah, so that's very integrated into seamlessness, the missional part of Jesus, and then recognizing you have been forgiven and grace and mercy is extended to you. So how do we extend this to humanity?
I think I think of the person even listening or watching wherever they are today, and they're like, okay, that you know, Jesus loves inside of you, and it's our privilege, you know, to show it to the world. That that kind of and and maybe they're like, there's something inside of me. What would you say, Eric? Would be um, how how can they do that? How how do they get what's inside of them? What God's doing? Get in touch with that to go. Hey, how do I how do I get this out? How do I find a way to articulate it to people, the culture? How do I do this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think because there's endless expression, it's hard to you know which one is it. I would say, generally speaking, I would. I mean, there's some really simple questions. What do you love doing that you would do if it did, even if you didn't get paid for it? I just asking yourself, what you know, what would I be doing if money was never an issue? And I would just love doing it, whatever that may be. And I think that, uh, oh, what do you find yourself thinking about? The other way to look at it is do, what problem are you always complaining about? Not so much in your own life, but just in society. So, for example, I mean, there are people on our, on our staff and on our team that are always bringing up the racial, the racial conflict and tensions in society. And one of the biggest reasons is because that is deep within them. So you often find yourself attracted to problems that you have a solution for. And so I would say there's probably two different angles. One is what do you find yourself dreaming about and you would do if, even if there's no paycheck involved. And then the other one is what, what problems or dark places or things that you, your tensions are always drawn to and recognizing the solution is actually inside of you and you want to bring solution to this area. That will sometimes help people to give them an idea uh, of some areas to hone in on or to identify. Um, and then at that point, it depends. Like, so if, you know, if you're a communicator or you're a writer or you're a film producer or fashion designer, then then you start, you know, you start. What does it look like to articulate this? So I'm a communicator. This is just what I do. I would say that's one of the things I give most of my time to, and that's why that Bono statement you mentioned earlier had been this. That thing had just been resounding in me ever since I read it. And it's like, so my biggest struggle and my biggest successes has been connected to, did I articulate with words? Did I articulate with story? Did I articulate with a talk to the degree of what I feel inside? So that's my expression and creativity. One of my expressions is communication and talking. And so I am spending, I just sat down with somebody yesterday and they want to grow in their communication. And, and I said, I said, yeah, I mean, this is my passion point. I mean, this is something I give so much of my life to, and it's grueling and it's beautiful all at the same time. And so you have to be willing to give time to it for one. Um, I think gifting and anointings, uh, sometimes we have this idea of oh, the Holy Spirit's in my life. I'm going to be good at something. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you're going to be good at nothing. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we use that as a fault. Like, oh, you know, that was spirit led. I'm like, no, that was just you doing your best. And that's okay. And that's totally okay. You know what I mean? So I think we have to get a little bit more on that. And it's like, it wasn't that good, you know? And so I think the other part is refining your craft. Be willing to sacrifice time and energy to refine your craft, whatever that may be. And, you know, I have, a, I have a, a guy in our church, he's become a good friend of mine, and he he works in the fashion industry, and he's very creative, entrepreneur, um, just he's, he's incredibly creative. But this is something he'd given himself to for a good 20 years. And in the last few years, he's now seen the result and the fruit, and some of his projects are coming out in the industry right now. And I'm like, oh, he's he's been grinding for years to get to this place. And I think a lot of people have dreams and aspirations, but they're not willing to grind it out. And I would say that to, to anybody within the church sphere or outside of the church world. You know, so find out what you love and be willing to sacrifice for it. I mean, that, and then get around people, spend money, invest in that gifting, whatever it takes and, and do it. So you know, just some practical things I'm thinking of. But yeah, you've got such a good understanding of like culture and kind of the ways that church and culture have interacted and some good ways, some bad ways. And so I, I know another thing that you carry is you carry a heart for uh, and an ability to kind of sense like what 
what are trends and what are some things that are going on in, in culture right now? And so I'm just curious, what are some things that spirit empowered leaders should be paying attention to just in preparation for like, what are you sensing in the future? What are you sensing is to come that is important for spirit empowered leaders to be paying attention to? Yeah. You know, I love, I love watching film. I love listening to music. Um, I love, I love listening to thinkers, thought leaders, uh, influence. I love, I love listening. And so I'm, uh, and I know, and I do recognize not everybody can do that without feeling like, you know, they're getting slimed or, or getting, you know, whatever. And I, and I, and I have total grace for that. For me, I really like to immerse myself in the pulse of culture. Um, and so for me, that's just a habit I do. And for me, any, any, anything you see in culture is an expression of the soul of humanity. Everything we see originated inside the soul. And so recognizing that, and obviously there's a lot of darkness being expressed. Okay, that, that's, that's living inside of the soul of humanity. You know, Paul did this when he walked into cities, you know, and he would end up, speak, end up talking in the synagogue. He'd say, oh, I saw an idol on your street today. That's an unknown God. So what that tells us is, is Paul was observing the cultural nuances in the cities he was going into. And he was using those as catalysts, as doors to open, to get into the heart of whoever he was talking to. And so for me, I'm, I'm constantly, so if you listen to any of my talks, I'm integrating a numerous, numerous angles into my talks. Uh, I'm trying to, trying to touch different aspects of culture. So I'm unafraid to talk about movies that I watch, at least 90% of them, 10% of them. I'm not sure if people would like it, but then that's okay. Um, but I would say I do tell people, and so I'm always paying attention to what is culture saying, because that's the heartbeat of culture. That's the soul of humanity. And I believe Jesus wants to touch the soul of humanity. And so I'm looking for ways to bridge those gaps. Um, it doesn't mean stay relevant. Uh, staying relevant, is, it depends on how you view that. Um, I think the term relevant kind of got its, you know, bad moniker, if you will. Like, oh, you're just trying to be cool. It's like, no, no, it's not that. It, it, for me, it's like, I want to know what's going on in the soul of humanity. What is that? I would say what's coming up, I mean, we're in a post-pandemic reality. Uh, at least some countries think we are, <laughs> depending on what country you're in. But there is a post-pandemic reality that we are still learning and understanding. Uh, we are definitely seeing de deconstructioning have effect on people. I mean, you guys, I know that well. So you're starting to see all these dynamics. So the idea of organized, the idea of uh, anything that has any form of hierarchy, any any ounce of authority is definitely getting hit hard. And so um, I do think there is some decentralizing that's happening on a grand scale. Um, I do think it's a massive swing in one direction. I think it will swing back to some degree. And so there are some interesting um, indicators within culture right now. I think when you start incorporating what's happening globally with different countries, with Russia, China, and all these different countries, it's just a complex world today with the technology. And so it's, it's confusing. It's, uh, it's chaotic. It's a little bit, I mean, if you really dive into it, you find yourself reading all conspiracy theories. I mean, it's just so crazy right now. And I say all that to say this, what a, that is the pulse of a soul of humanity. They feel chaos. They feel confused. They feel fractured. They feel hopeless. And I'm like, what a beautiful moment to bring in hope into this situation. It may not answer what's going on with Russia and China, but it will at least answer what's going on in their soul. So I would say that right now, chaos and confusion, hopelessness, isolation, all those things. And I mean, look at the statistics. The mental health statistics are staggering. They're staggering. And so I think um, anything revolving around the message of the gospel, the hope, the truth, all those things um, are beautiful things to emphasize. And what's interesting Sorry if I'm rambling here, but what's interesting is anything that is has some level, uh, how do I say it, formation-based, or uh, I don't want to use the word formula because that can mean something different to a lot of people, but kind of a kind of a somewhat of a system of repetitiveness, a uh, discipline, uh, practices, anything that you can create that helps to bring order to the chaos and confusion that people feel. 
So that's why I think, you know, for example, John Mark Comer's book, the, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, hit a nerve in culture at the perfect time. Now, the challenge is people are making it the Bible now. They're like, okay, that's just an aspect of God. You know, now you talk to people, some, not everybody. And I love John Mark Comer's stuff. I think it's brilliant. But you talk to some people, it's like, that's all, they, they think that's the entire gospel right there. And I'm like, it, it's not, actually. It's, it's an aspect. But there's actually another part of being human, too. It's not just that. And I know John Mark Comer. But anyway, my point in saying that, he he wrote a book at the right time of culture. And that nerve was hit. And that's why it exploded, because he it was a perfect it was a perfect solution to the chaos of humanity that humanity is experiencing, especially within the church. And so I think when we look at the chaos and confusion, anything that brings hope, brings life, anything that helps to bring some practices, healthy rhythms and practices. I haven't read these books yet, but there's a couple of books, The Power of Habit and another book called On Something Habit. And I'm like, man, people are eating this up because everybody's out of habit, out of discipline, out of out of some form of, I'm doing the same thing, some form of structure. And I think it's, it's an amazing time to start talking about that. And then I think creativity. I think what culture is, is at the best place it's ever been to allow people to be creative. It's so confusing. It's so chaotic. It's so in, up in, dis, in disarray. But you can actually create your future now. Totally. And and one of the cool things I'm thinking about, Eric, while you were saying that is like this whole idea of bringing hope to people. Um, as pastors and as ministers, we don't necessarily get to sit at those tables. We don't get to be in those places, in those relationships. And, and, and people are having a harder time bringing friends to church. Like that whole paradigm is shifting a little bit. And so for spirit empowered leaders in every sphere of society, this whole idea of bringing hope, um, that's something that you can do it. And we, as pastors, as ministers, sometimes we don't get that opportunity. Yeah. And I, you know, and that's, it's very true. And I, I feel like I'm in a season right now. Like I want to, I want to, um, yes, I'm a pastor, but I want to start, I want to start breaking out of that in my own thinking. Mm. And, and I, and there's things you can do. And then there's things you're invited into, you know? And so I think, I think there, there's probably like three levels in culture. One is the people that you run with. The second one would be more kind of what people call the market, kind of the, you know, the town square, the, the public, the main street. And then there's the governance of a city. There's the, the people that are actually creating, controlling the thought of a city. That one you only get invited into. That one you can't work your way into it. And so I do think, I do think there are dimensions in, and so I'm, I'm in a process right now of deconstructing. I don't want to use that word because it can be misunderstood, but I am, I am, uh, tearing away different my own limitations of mm. what it would mean to be a pastor. I almost excuse myself from room that actually, if I pay attention, I'm actually being invited into. And so I think, I think for leaders, that are, pastors and leaders that are listening, I think we need to challenge ourselves. And I think, um, I think because I think Jesus was all of it. Paul did a really good job at it too. So I think I think we need to challenge ourselves as, as leaders as well. Like, okay, I need to I need to get out of this this one thing that I, I actually am, I'm actually I think if we can get to find out what you're passionate about, then man, find out how to get into those industries, find out how to get involved with people that are doing that. So, anyway, side thought. Oh, so good. Uh, we can go so many different ways, and I, I just want to ask if you could uh, take a moment to pray for us as we as we close and just. Pray for um, leaders that are watching, listening, wherever they are, that are going, hey, there's something inside of me. I don't know how to articulate it. I, I sense it. I'm in an industry. I, I need Holy Spirit. I need to see him beyond the compartmentalist, seamless. And um, and I, I've seen a lot of seams, but I God help me. And so just would you pray, Eric? And, and as, yep. as the Spirit would lead you, we just believe that this is a Spirit-empowered podcast. And that, that God's going to do something and shift uh, mindsets and language in everyone that's listening or watching. Absolutely. Yeah, God, we are so grateful that you have placed us in this time in, in human history, in a time that many say it's confusing, it's chaotic, it's in disarray, it's 
it's gone AWOL and, and it feels like that. It looks like that. But we also know you've chosen each of us to be alive in a moment like this. And I just pray that we would not be swayed or shaped by the chaos of what we see and experience, but we'd be shaped by you. We'd be shaped by your very essence, by your very presence, that we'd be shaped by what's going on inside of our soul, what's going on inside of our spirit, that you have forming us and shaping us. And I pray as we look to the scriptures and we see different men and women throughout the Bible that actually carried out and demonstrated what it looks like to be someone that's fully alive in you. What does it look like to actually dream about a future and moving towards creating it? And so I pray for everyone listening today and everyone that's going to listen to this at some point, that there be an infusion of, of this reality that we were designed to create the future. We were designed to carry out things in, even in a context where it's impossible. You said to cast your nets again when, when they fished all night. And I just pray that we would operate with a faith and a hope and would be motivated by a love that loves humanity and will constantly and continually touch the soul of humanity. And I just pray for each of the leaders that are listening to this, whatever their craft is, whatever the things they put their hands to, whatever they dream about, whatever they are passionate about, that this should be a season of refining their craft, refining their craft. The verse in Proverbs, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it talked about those who do things really well will find themselves in the presence of kings. And I just pray for the leaders that are listening today that they would refine their craft and that, God, you would place them before the kings and queens of culture, place them in environments where you get to be demonstrated in all your beauty and all your majesty. And we bless everyone listening. Amen. 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 Oh, so good. Such an honor to have you on and uh, consider you a friend and just so thankful for what God's doing in and through you and the impact you've had on my life. And I know those listening and watching today. And so we just uh, how can they how can they track with what you're doing? What can how can they follow you? Um, how yeah, can they- you can uh, you can go to studiogreenville.com is our website or you can go to my Instagram, uh, Eric Bryant Johnson or go to studio.greenville on Instagram. And those are some of our main places. And uh, Travis and Donovan, thanks again for having me. And uh, look, I really enjoyed this chat. Well, what an honor and privilege it was to sit down with your friend, Eric. Uh, that was such a great conversation. Uh, so good. Just the gold that he brings out, eh? And uh, the um, I just love, he is uh, a man of the spirit. He carries that. That's in his DNA, six generations. And yet he's um, also, I believe he's forging something new and opening language and space for young leaders in a way like, I, I don't know who he is on the planet right now. And there's something that he carries that resonates, I don't know, resonated with me years ago. And I just go, whatever this guy, there's something that he's, It's it's not, um, ignoring the move of the spirit, but it's also integrating that into a lifestyle. And I just, um, I just, I don't know about you, Donovan, what you took away, but I love that word seamless. I'm like, that is so mm-hmm. good because isn't it so true that we get, um, people get caught on the seams and we've created such seams and the people that we're trying to reach that are beyond the walls of our churches and our homes and everything, they're getting caught on the seams because we haven't learned to live seamless. We haven't learned to have a heart relationship integrating into culture. We've lived so compartmental and it's those seams that are really hurting the cause of Christ in some ways. And Jesus did it so well. He did it at the well. He did it in all mm-hmm. these. So I loved what he said about that. What, what was your favorite thought? Yeah, I think the the single thought that really stood out to me was that whole idea of how we view the Holy Spirit, the picture or the box that we we put him in and becomes our limitation of him. And I don't know about you, but yeah, I grew up as a good Baptist. And so the whole idea of Holy Spirit was almost a little scary. And so um, we, we didn't really pursue a lot of those things growing up, as uh, as I shared on an earlier episode. But the, the reality of how we view God, how we view the Holy Spirit lim- becomes our limitation and uh, that challenge to like ask him to blow out our boxes and see him in different and new ways that was really that was really impactful for me but but i think what what really shone through in that whole conversation was he's living it out 
like he he believes this stuff and he's actually living it out and so i was just so honored to be brought into his story and how god helped him with this transition into a new ministry in a new context and uh it, it was just amazing because he's not just talking out of his head like he's actually living this out with real people in the world and so i just really encouraged today uh me too and uh we want to hear what your thought was what was a takeaway that you'll take away sometimes we listen to so much stuff but we really want to grow together. We want to learn together. And so we'd love you to uh, give us your feedback. You can go to our Instagram or Facebook, but our Instagram at Live Resurgence, L-I-V-E-R-E-S-U-R-G-E-N-C-E, and on Instagram. And find the post that's talking about uh, this podcast and, and write your thought. Write the thing that you um, spoke to you, that you're going to live out, that you're going to pray into. And would you do a favor and share it? We, we really want many leaders. We're calling forth a generation of leaders. And we know there's many more out there. And so would you share this podcast? Would you share it with someone that maybe hasn't heard of the podcast? Any way we can get it out there to help more people. That's our goal. Our mission is to revive churches, to reach people, but also to release leaders as resurgence. And so we invite you as part of that journey. Love you to be a part of that. Uh, so glad that you joined us this time and just want to bless you wherever you're tuning in from. We're excited for our next episode. Check it out. Join us. Um, it's going to drop in a week and it's going to be amazing. So you'll want to listen to it. This is a conversation that's ongoing too. So if, even as we look at future seasons, if you have any questions about spirit-empowered leadership or things that are burning on your heart that you think it'd be worth exploring, feel free to reach out to us about those things too. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about them. We, we are learning, we're growing. We would love to talk about your questions and we'd love to ask our future mm -hmm. guests your questions. So uh, make sure you send mm -hmm. them in and best way to do that is on Instagram or you could go to uh, info at liveresurgence.com. You go to our website, liveresurgence.com. Contact us. We will get back to you. We want to hear from you. Uh, we love you. Mm -hmm. Have an amazing week. And know you are a leader. God has called, put a spirit in you for such a time as this to lead. There's a leader in every chair. So it's time to lead. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. We hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader. This podcast is brought to you by Resurgence Initiatives. Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.